It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Podcast Network. And I got to deal with the elephant in the room, people, the Vikings defense. The Vikings defense has given up over 400 yards in the last five games. That's a franchise record for the Vikings. There's some things fundamentally that can change with this defense. And I, I know the answer. The answer is there, but it is an elephant and it has to be dealt with. But we'll talk about that next on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey, everyone. It's a, it's a Monday. We're not going to overreact this Monday. We're not going to do overreaction Monday. This is not it. We're not going to do, you know, trend or mirage Monday. We're not doing that. We're not doing mirage Monday. There's no mirages out there. This is just a hardworking blue collar Monday, but there are some things we have to deal with. You, you cannot wake up on a Monday and not clean up the trash from your party over the weekend. I don't know how many people remember college, but that's what college was like. Every Monday before you went to class, you're like, man, cups all over the place. Why are there plates on the floor? Like, man, throw your food away. We got to clean up the trash today. And the trash is the conversation of the elephant in the room and everybody's throwing their trash all on the field, all in the streets, because everybody yesterday, Vikings fan line, everything. Just every single call was the same thing. Every single call was the same thing over and over and over and over again. And at some point, I'm just like, I, I feel bad for Kirk. Kirk, DeMarcus, that's what I call him right now. Curtis. DeMarcus Cousins. Curtis DeMarcus Cousins threw for 425 yards. He had 124.5 passer rating, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 75% complete, like 31 for 41, I think is what he was. And we can't even talk about him. Justin Jefferson had 223 yards receiving, set the franchise record for single game receiving yards. Sammy White took him down, 1976. Can't even really talk about that. Nobody was talking about Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins' great day. Why? Because the Vikings lost, and the defense gave up over 400 yards again for the fifth time in a row. It's not good. When you think about that, though, there's some things that need to change, and, and I have the answer for it. But before we get into that, remember, you can download the Roku and Amazon Fire apps. Go to your Amazon Fire device or your Roku TV Search Locked On Sports Minnesota. Just hit download. It'll add right to your queue, and then you can watch all of our shows, get all the content, all the videos. You might even see us have to talk about Luke Braun again this week because Luke Braun, he's a habitual line stepper, but we'll save that for Thursday. We'll save that for, for my Thursday appearance because he's a habitual line <laughs> stepper. I don't know what his problem is. He constantly does it, and then I have to, I have to put him back in his place and tell him, hey, stop it. Let it go. But we'll talk about that later this week. But – as I bring Sam Exum to the show, my producer, Sam, there's a guy on the Vikings staff. I know him. He was with me in Baltimore by the name of Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin went on to become the Jets defensive coordinator, followed Rex Ryan when Rex Ryan went to be the head coach. 
He also then went on to be the defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. He then went on to be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. He then went on to be the defensive coordinator of the Packers. And when you look at his first stop as defensive coordinator with the Jets, he had the number one passing defense in the NFL and then think like a top seven run defense. When he went to the Packers, you looked it up. You told me he had a top 12 defense or better every year from 18, 19, and 20. Mike Pettin can get it done. Now, we know Ed Donatel has gotten it done before with the Broncos. We had Dale Reed on the show with Ed Donatel and talked about all the things that Donatel does, the movement, the this, the that, the shifting of defense alignment, the stunting. We're not seeing that. That's that's the problem is everything Daryl Reed said that Ed Donatel would do. We're not seeing that right now. We're not seeing the shifts in the moves and the jumping around and all. We're not seeing it. And maybe it could be personnel. Maybe they don't have enough D linemen. Maybe injury because we know Dalvin Thomason was out. So injury. You know, when you don't have the guys you need or the pieces of the puzzle to do what you want to do, you can't finish the puzzle. Everybody knows that. Everybody's trying to put together a puzzle and can't find those last few pieces and you just give up. Maybe Ed Dondell's giving up on what he wants to do because that's not it, what he's doing right now. And so, Sam, this is where I go. Mike Pettin, the fact that he's on the staff as an assistant head coach consultant, at some point you either need to give him more control of this defense or you need to let him put his input in on how he would call a game because the scheme might look great on paper and practice and, and everything else, but how you call it in the game matters just as much as what you call. How you call it, when you call it, what situation, when do you blitz the quarterback, when do you get after the quarterback? As many sacks as they've had this year, when you look at how Darius Smith and Daniel Hunter, it kind of started off. Darius Smith, for sure, started off. I would go back to that film now. Darius Smith has been hurt, so maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe he's not getting after the quarterback as much, and he's playing as hurt as he can. He's playing hurt, so he's not getting a push. But Sam has got to change. Mike Pettin's there. He's been a defensive coordinator. I feel like you don't have to fire Ed Donatel, but you can – balance the two and say hey we're gonna have a co-coordinator type of situation or he's gonna do the play calling ed i want you to be the eye in the sky i don't know if that's the answer but i feel like you have to do something you did you cannot just get keep keep getting punched in the mouth like that's that's not the answer when the offense is that good your quarterback is that good your receiver is the best receiver in the nfl right now you have to find a way harrison smith hobie rt brought that up harrison smith being out that's a huge problem you know, it's a big difference when you have a guy that could disguise coverages and confuse the quarterback pre-snap and a, and a younger guy in Josh Metellus who might drop down in the box a little too soon and uh, let him know, hey, I got man coverage of D.J. Shark. I'm going to him versus Cam Dansler. The, the the announcers said it. Metellus came down in the box too soon, showed showed his hand. It, this is the single high. Single high, I'm going, to the, I'm going to go route with D.J. Shark. So when you think about that, Sam, that's, that's where I go with it with Mike Pettin. Uh, he's there. He, you have to let him. You have to do something. But in your mind, what do you think needs to change with this Vikings defense? Well, Kevin O'Connell said after the game that he wants to see them be more aggressive and he wants to see them generate more pressure. I know mm-hmm. one way. It's called the blitz. B l i t z is how you spell it. Glad you spelled that. Through right. thirteen Glad games, you spelled that right. The Viking, yeah, blitz, blitz, yep, blitz. Got it right. Um, <laughs> Vikings have the sixth lowest blitz rate in the NFL. 16% of the time they blitz. They could up that number. They could up that number considerably because right now they're dropping everybody in coverage and they're trying to get home with four. And as good as Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith are, they're not always going to win in those situations. Um, 
I think that a great way to get the ball out faster and to help your coverage is to bring those extra rushers in. And it's actually got me panging for Mike Zimmer a little bit, Ron. He was so ingenious <laughs> at dialing up blitzes and getting those linebackers through the A-gap and finding ways to pressure the quarterback creatively. Didn't matter about the personnel. He just found a way. Um, not everything was perfect with Mike Zimmer, but his blitz um, devising was elite. So I missed that part of it. And it's, it's really frustrating to sit back and watch them rush four into a brick wall and not touch Jared Goff all game. Yeah, and for Curtis DeMarcus Cousins, it's the facts of life. Like he he had it's kind of like a two-edged sword. You could have Mike Zimmer, defense probably is going to be super aggressive, but the relationship wasn't going to be great. Or you could have Kevin O'Connell, mm-hmm. great relationship, but your defense is not as good right now. Take the good with the bad. Whatever the rest of the song was, and that's the facts of life. <laughs> But that's that's where they are right now. They have they have to figure it out. I, I think you got the four games coming up. You got you got the Colts, then the Giants. Those two are going to be the most important. I think. I think the Bears and the Packers are going to roll over and die, um, unless they realize if we beat the Vikings, now the 49ers get the two seed and they can screw the Vikings over. Then they're going to play hard. But if if it's kind of yeah. solidified that the 49ers lose one or two coming up and the Vikings find a way to win, because I, I I this I say this I say the the 49ers won't lose. But never, I never want to underestimate Devontae Adams and the Raiders. Like Derek Carr finds a way late in the season to just pull rabbits out of his hat week in and week out, and we've seen that last year we saw it. Um, and so I never want to count him out with the Raiders and Devontae Adams. Uh, but I just feel like the way the 49ers are playing, these next four games are there. So the Vikings, these next two are the most important. You got a big one on a Saturday, and then they turn around on a Christmas Eve as well, which mentally is a lot. Now, the good thing is they're not traveling on Christmas Eve, so their families will be here, and they'll get to hang out at home with their families, blah, blah, whereas the other team has to get back on the plane and go home, and so it's a little bit different mindset going back to New York. Um, but it's going to it's gonna come down to that. What does this defense look like? Kevin O'Connell, like you said, he said, hey, there's, got, there's we got we to gotta look at this. we got to be some changes. Who knows the changes? My guess is whatever the changes, I, I, I tweeted it. They got 48 hours. You got 48 hours, lick your wounds, watch the film. Wednesday, you got to come back with a plan. Maybe even Tuesday because you play on a Saturday. So you, your week changes mm-hmm. a little bit. They might get off today, rehab, do stuff, and then, hey, we're going to do a no-pads practice Tuesday because now our Tuesday is our Wednesday. And then our Wednesday was our Thursday. So Thursday, you got to go. Or sorry, Wednesday, you got to go. Thursday is your walkthrough. It's your shells practice because then Friday walk through. All right, players, you can go home, but I need you at the hotel by this time because we're playing Saturday. So it's a different week. Speeds the week up a little bit. That's sometimes good after a loss. Speed the week up. We don't have two days yeah. to sit back and think, but they got 48 hours. Like after the Cowboys. When they come game. in Tuesday. Yeah. When they come in Tuesday, he's got to have a plan for that defense. If it's just the same, we're going to just, uh, I, I I question the youth of a young head coach. Like, is that a, is that a, is he, is he afraid to make a move? Um, but I, I don't think he is. I don't think he's afraid to do it. I think he's going to find a strategic way to do it, but there's going to be some change. It's got to be, there's no way not to do it. And like you said, the blitz rate, I think that's part of it, but we got Hobie RT coming up in the hanging Ron Johnson segment next. I'm excited to have my boy Hobie back. But check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube, following every Twins, Vikings, Wilder Wolves game. Our Locked On team hosts are broadcasting live with Team Insiders. Never miss a podcast by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube. And we have a word from our sponsors. 
Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.net. It's your number one source for sports wagering info. Get the latest stats, news, and analysis. And if you love sports podcasts, they've got those as well. Um, get your betting fix and check out the lines for week 15 in the NFL. Vikings are favored by th- uh, four, excuse me, four points against the Colts on Saturday. Um, I, I don't think the Colts are going to go in favored in this one. I don't think they're going to pull a Lions. Colts are struggling. Jeff Saturday is struggling. Vikings favored by four as they try to clinch the division on Saturday. Get that line and plenty more at betonline.net where the game starts. Well, I'm joined by a guy that everybody remembers from uh, the Vikings game day live days. Seven years I spent with this guy. It's been tough this season without him, but always glad to have him back. Hobie Artigue now lives in Detroit. He covers the Lions, works for WDIV. Up there in Detroit, I remember those days of uh, watching a little NBC uh, in Detroit, and so Hobie now works for the station, covers the Lions. (laughs) So win, lose, or draw, we had to get Hobie on. Hobie, I want to thanks for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. Uh, This is a Hanging with Ron Johnson segment. We're going to hang out, and uh, we've got to start off right out the gate, man. The Lions fans went from, I think it was, I saw a stat, it was like 7% chance of making the playoffs to now 21% chance of making the playoffs. There is a chance now because if you look at the NFC South, if you look at the NFC uh, East, those teams are beating each other up to the point where the Bucs are only going to, either the Bucs or the Falcons or the Panthers, only one's going to probably get in, not probably mm-hmm. will. And then you look at the Commanders and the Giants, if the Vikings cannot them down with the Giants and the Commanders and the Cowboys and the Eagles can beat themselves. The Lions can win out and have a chance to get in. They needed this win uh, against the Vikings. Nobody thought they could do it. They did it. Vegas had them do hey, it. Hey, Vegas thought they could but, do it. <laughs> right. They gave two and a half <laughs> points. So what's what's the atmosphere around there right now with Lions fans, Dan Campbell, and, and this win against the Vikings? Ron, I'm going to tell you, you mentioned the pregame show that we did on the Vikings. I think every week that we talked about the Lions, it was like, you know what? I'm from Detroit, they're not good, or something like that, and then we would move on to the next thing. Those days are kind of gone with this team right now, especially after the way they started the season. They started this season 1-6, and but since then, they've won a bunch of games. I believe their only loss in the last five or six games is to the Buffalo Bills, and that was because Josh Allen drove down the field at the end of the game on Thanksgiving to win that. Right now, they're playing really good complementary football. The defense is stepping up because that was letting them down in key moments earlier in the season, and then the offense would have a bad turnover, and that would change the entire complexion of the game. And the games that they did lose earlier in the season, come to find out those weren't against bad teams. The first loss of the season, that was against the Eagles. They lost to the Seahawks, who were kind of the darlings of the NFC right now. Then they had a bad loss to the Patriots. They lost to the Cowboys. They lost to the Vikings. But a lot of those games, they were right in there. They just were missing a player two, kind of like the Vikings right now, where a player two are getting them. Those wins that they needed over this season, the Lions kind of fell on the other way. It's kind of like the same book, just different chapters. One team winning close games, the other team losing close games. But right now, people are uh, are very excited in Detroit because this team is also getting healthy too. Jamison Williams back in the fold. That gives Jared Goff another mm-hmm. weapon. I think things are falling in place for this Lions team to potentially make that playoff run because they also have wins against the Commanders and they also have uh, win against the Giants. So you mentioned the, the NFC playoff picture right now. Those are two opponents from the East that they really could slip by if it does come to that wild card playoff picture. And there were some key moments in the game. Uh, you know, the, the Justin Jefferson should have been a touchdown, said he stepped out of bounds. That took off another probably he didn't. 30, 40 <laughs> seconds off the clock, um, which if they had scored with probably 322 left on the clock, give or take, 
Uh, that's mm-hmm. easily kicked down, try to stop them, punt the ball back, see if Kirk Cousins can come win another game. Uh, but when you look at some of the, the calls, the mistakes that were made, uh, normally that had been Dan Campbell. And the Lions have won five of the last six. I was on the Pat McAfee show, and uh, they do the whole same old Lions bit. And it's not the same old Lions right now, so I'm interested <laughs> to see what, what they And players in the locker room because... have said that constantly all season long. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the same yeah. alliance. Like the, the times have changed. If they're getting better, uh, they're finding ways to win these games. But Dan Campbell ran a fake punt. And again, those plays had burned him early where people were saying he was playing mm-hmm. desperate. He was playing like a man that didn't know how to manage the clock. Well, it paid off for him. Is this going to be his recipe moving forward? Is he going to be kind of a riverboat Ron Rivera type of coach where he's just going to take gambles? He's going to make, you know, he's going to do what he has to do. If he loses, he loses. If he wins, he wins. And it's like Steph Curry in the in the in the um, Warriors. You live by the three, mm-hmm. you die by the three. And I think that's what the Lions are playing. They're going to live by some of these trick plays and they're going to die by them. And uh, he he outcoached Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell, some of the points, you know, going for two. Down 14. I know Sam Ekstrom wants to talk about that later in the show because he bought that up in a press conference. Just because you bring it up doesn't mean you have to do it. But do you think that this Lions recipe, where they're at now, they this will be sustainable for Dan Campbell? So last year, I believe they set an NFL record with going forward on fourth down because they kind of had to because I believe their first win of the season last year was against the Lions or the Vikings whenever they played in Detroit. But uh, earlier in the season, because they were down so many players, they kind of had to rely on fourth down to get them into games. Now that they have a lot of their star players back, if you will, DJ Chark returning, he was hurt for a majority of the season. Jamison Williams again, DeAndre Swift looking healthy. I think that they're going to use it in spots. I I, I don't think this is something Mm -hmm. that's going to go away because that's just the way that Dan Campbell is going to coach these games. But whenever they do get in tight spots, those are game-changing type moments. And if they feel like they can have an opportunity to change the complexion of the game earlier on than at the end. I believe he's going to do it. Now, earlier in the season, they had a kicker who was missing a lot of kicks. So a lot of times Dan Campbell would run out the offense to go for it on fourth down uh, just because I I believe it's probably not a lot of confidence in the kicker at that point. But Michael Badgley, who they have right now, he's only missed two field goals all all season long since he got here. He was really good whenever he was with the Bears earlier this season. So I think once they get within the 30 and in toward the end zone, they'll probably think about kicking a few more field goals. But between the 40s, I would expect Dan Campbell to pull a a few more things like this than what we saw. And I I think that's just going to be part of his coaching DNA now that he has this head coaching opportunity. And you were you were here for for like I said seven seven eight years covering the Vikings. Uh, we we did Vikings game day live, and every couple years it was a ebb and flow, up and down. Mm-hmm. One year Mike Zimmer would have the top defense in the NFL. Next year they'd be okay. Next year he'd go back to the top defense in the NFL. They make the playoffs. Next year he'd be okay. And then eventually those two years of injuries they were terrible. And I think they were like 25th ranked, 31st and some stuff. And he got fired because of not just that, but not winning games and the uh, the, the the defense. When you look yeah. at this Vikings team and from a Lions perspective, putting up 400 plus yards on them, that's the fifth time in a row the Vikings have allowed 400 plus yards of offense. Mm-hmm. That is an NFL or sorry, that's a Vikings franchise record, not the record you want if you're a new head coach, but that is a, that's the Vikings franchise record for the most consecutive games with 400-plus yards of offense allowed. Now, granted, mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins did throw for 425 yards, so the offense is battling and trying to keep the defense, you know, and keep them in the game. But do you think that Ed Donatel is the answer for the Vikings if 
if it's just like when you have a guy like Mike Pettin who coached for the, the Packers and, and, and did well there and he coached for the Ravens, so he understands defense there. He coached for the Jets and, and, and you know, had Bart Scott and, and did well there with Rex Ryan. Do you think that Ed Donatel is a long-term answer or do you think Kevin O'Connell is a rookie head coach uh, has to find a, a – he has to either fire him or come up with a solution because we know Dan Campbell fired his DB coach and since then they've yep. been doing and well. And that really so. changed – this season because after that happened yeah. the lines have been completely different i don't know if i was just sending the message or if it was that big of a change but uh reading vikings twitter right now uh i think they really want to change at the defensive uh coordinator position <laughs> just because i th think about the last few years you brought it up with mike zimmer that was supposed to be the bread and butter of that defense and, or the defense was supposed to be the bread and butter of that team and if it's not mm -hmm. clicking then what's going to happen but you can't let the defense give up that many yards now granted the lions offense is good. As much as people might not want to believe that, they have been consistently good this season. Donatel's defenses, whenever he was in Denver, they were pretty good year in and year out. It's going to just be very interesting to see if the defense comes together toward the, the tail end of the season. But playing without Harrison Smith, that was a big deal too, just because he's been the quarterback of that defense um, and his absence is felt anytime he has not been in there over the last few years. So maybe that factors in, but whenever you're giving up that many yards, 400 plus in that many straight games, maybe a change could be coming. However, being 10 and three up to this point in the season, that covers up a lot of things, but maybe next season they, they look to, to make a change or maybe they get better as the season goes on. You never know. Yeah. TJ Hawkinson, first time back in uh Ford field, you know, being gone traded, not, you know, not a bad, he didn't Stefan digs it. He didn't force his way out. He wasn't trying to get out of there. Uh, so it was a, it was a mutual kind of, yep, we're going to trade you. And he was excited to go to a new team, uh, have a chance to kind of start over almost, but what was the, like the media, the fans, what were people <laughs> feeling about TJ Hawkinson's return to Ford field? I think a lot of people ran the soundbite over and over again because I think TJ said something whenever he got to Minnesota. Can't wait to play on a winning team or something along those lines. And people <laughs> were, uh, I don't want to say furious, but they were just kind of like, okay, that's how it's going to be. You were around here. We tried to make you a face, a face of the franchise. Uh, okay. And then since he left, things have been completely different for this team. They only had that one loss mm -hmm. to the Buffalo Bills. Uh I think people were looking forward to hey, look you always want to see a player succeed especially if he was here for so long but whenever he's now against a fellow division rival i think that's going to carry a little bit of extra weight um i think people want him to do well but whenever it comes to to down to it he he dissed you on the way out in some ways and uh i think that um beating him on his new team for fans at least was a pretty big deal he did drop a ball early that he should have caught tried to do the toe drag swag didn't really have control of the ball when he started to look down at his feet um so i know fans were probably happy about that one but he did eventually uh get it going uh eight targets had a decent game was hoping he got a touchdown in the red zone didn't happen but some happened justin jefferson 223 <laughs> yards set the set the viking single season record uh record had been standing since 1976 sammy white uh, had 210 yards against the Lions as well, against the Lions back in 1976. So uh, all of a sudden now Justin Jefferson, 223 yards. And it, was a, it wasn't a quiet 223, but it wasn't like a Justin Jefferson one-handed catch. It, you know, it was just mm -mm. play after play. A solid there. day. Like, yeah, it, was, it wasn't anything because you look up and you're like, whoa, this guy's at 160? 
And then you look up again, you're like, mm -hmm. wait, this guy's close to 200 yards. Like it was, it was just a slow, like a slow drip of a drain or something. But when you think about that, Jeff Okuda had talked about, you know, we're going to do this with Justin Jefferson. And Kevin O'Connell was like, nope, I'm not leaving him where he's going to stand. You guys aren't going to be able to jam him and then play a guy over the top. Uh, with, with the Lions giving up so much to Justin Jefferson, teams walk into the building now. Is that because the DBs were the issue or the DB coach was the issue for the Lions? Mm -hmm. Is that a cause for concern knowing that a guy like Justin Jefferson just put up 223 on the DBs? No, because other receivers have, have put up big yards this season against him too. Tyreek Hill went off against him uh, earlier in the season. Mm -hmm. A lot of people went for big-time yardage against that secondary. And also, we brought I brought up Harrison Smith earlier. The Lions have been playing without Tracy Walker on the back end of that defense for all season long, and he's kind of the guy that gets everybody lined up and is a true veteran voice in that secondary. Uh, but also, again, it's Justin Jefferson. He, he seemingly does that to every single team every other week in the NFL. I think you take it for what it is. And you move on because if your offense is firing on all cylinders like that, because also Justin Jefferson got him down the field, but whenever it came time to it, the defense held up when they needed to. And that's something they weren't doing at the beginning of the season. Right now they're, they, they certainly are bending to the two to 200 plus yards of Justin Jefferson, but they didn't break at key moments yesterday. Mm -hmm. And when you look at this team, you know, you, you cover the Vikings now going to the lions. What's that transition been like, like going from Vikings to lions, because, uh, I mean, you're you're the reverse TJ Hawkinson. You know, TJ Hawkinson <laughs> was excited to go to winning, even though, like, last year the Vikings didn't win. So I, I get what TJ was going, though. Like, it was this season. He went from a team that wasn't winning that season at that moment, because they were 1-6, mm -hmm. to a team that was winning, and I think was 6-1 and one at the time. I think it was literally a reverse. Um, mm -hmm. When you look at that um, change for you as well, like, how was that covering the Lions? Because covering the Vikings, it's always like the fans are – oh, we're going to do well, and then they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. The Lions is almost like we're expecting to lose, and if they win, hey, great. But how has that been for I, you with that switch? I, I will I will say at the beginning of this season, there were a lot of high hopes all around Detroit, not only just because Hard Knocks was here and the sound bites were all coming out. People really attached themselves to this team in a very personal way, and I think they came into this season because you look at the way they finished last year with how they won at home, how they won some crucial games down the stretch of the season. They beat the Vikings. They beat the Packers toward the end of the year. I think they gave people hope also with having that personal attachment to these players. And when they started the season one and six, there was a lot of disappointment because people, not to say that they expected this team to just come out and win every game out of the gate, but they expected this team to be a competitive team. And once they got to the bye week, they lost to the Patriots right before the bye, and then things really took a downturn. Then they come back from the bye, lose to the Dolphins. And I think people had really started to give up a little bit on this team. But then they come back and rattle off all of these wins in a row. And now you're talking playoffs with this team. And that's something that a lot of people have not talked about in a very long time with the Lions. So I think that you mentioned the ebbs and flows earlier. This is huge ebbs and flows because the expectations were high at the beginning of the year. They dipped big time after that 1-6 and six start. But now they're on the upward trend once again. So I guess... Time will tell just where this team does go, but the future is certainly looking bright because right now, again, they're getting healthy. They're getting the right pieces in the right place, and also the wins are starting to come, too. You add that all up together, and people might have higher expectations moving forward to this team. And, and looking at the game, too, Justin Jefferson went off, you know, 223 mm -hmm. yards. He put himself back in the, the, the race for 2,000 yards, first receiver ever to get 2,000 yards, but... 
Tyreek Hill is close as well to getting 2,000 yards. Mm. If two receivers get 2,000 yards a season, and the Vikings kind of have to keep playing now because the 49ers won, so they are only one game back from the Lions, and or Vikings, sorry, and yeah. I think they have the tiebreaker. I'd have to check that. But when you look at the 49ers and the Vikings having to play all the way out, you look at the Dolphins now, probably with that AFC getting tighter and tighter, having to play it all the way out. Um if two receivers get 2,000 yards, because we know Cooper Cup was close, we know uh, Calvin Johnson still has a record, 19, uh, 1,964 yards. But does that water it down if two receivers get it? Like, if Justin Jefferson were to get it, people are like, oh, he should be, he should be the MVP. But if Tyreek Hill gets it as well, does Tyreek Hill now should be considered for the MVP? And then it's whoever has the most yards because both are over 2,000. What are your thoughts on that one? As for the wide receiver position, I think I, I don't think it waters it down at all because nobody's ever done it. And you can't yeah. take away from the talent that Justin Jefferson is and the talent that Tyreek Hill is because both guys, yes, they are both on a trajectory to get a ton of yardage, but they each play the game in such different ways. Justin is more of your all-around receiver, whereas Tyreek is your burner. I mean, we saw yesterday with that fumble recovery that he took all the way to the house for, the, uh, for yeah. the Dolphins' first touchdown yesterday. Who else could do that on a football field? Because he literally ran around the entire offensive line and burned the entire secondary on the way to the house. Then he had that big catch down the field as well. I think that both play the game in such a different way. And we've been talking about it for years, that this is now a passing league in the NFL. This only speaks to that. This is kind of the next progression of that because it should be the expectation that guys are going to get more and more yardage. And frankly, it's two stud receivers. It's good to see two stud receivers really emerge because we haven't seen that in a very long time. You brought up Cooper Cup. Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. back in the day was kind of the go-to guy. But to have two guys right now, and then I think in a couple of years, i got to give my LSU hat on, but Jamar Chase might jump into that chase as well because if he wasn't injured, he might be on a similar trajectory too. He'll, he'll play his third NFL season next year. I think that – I don't know if you, you can say it'll become the norm to have 2,000 yards – but I wouldn't be surprised if it happens just because of all the wide receiver talent that is coming into the NFL. Yeah, and you look at the running game for both teams, for the Lions and Vikings. Last one before we jump into the Daily Three. The Lions rush for 134 yards, but the Vikings, 22. So we know Jamal Williams, you know DeAndre Swift, they're going to continue to try to run the ball. Dan Campbell is a blue collar, but Kevin O'Connell, mm -hmm. he's an air attack guy. Dalvin Cook, 15 carries, 23 yards. Alexander Madison, two carries, negative one yards. When you look mm -hmm. at this team for the Vikings, is, is that the end of Dalvin Cook maybe in Minnesota with the salary that he signed, knowing that the Rams got through it with just two whatever running backs just to get them through the season, and the Vikings mm -hmm. don't need a high-paid running back when you have Justin Jefferson and probably going to try to add another receiver this offseason. Um, what are your thoughts on Dalvin Cook's future with the Vikings? Unless he gets super involved in the passing game, that's going to be a difficult decision coming ahead because also with Justin Jefferson, with the way he is playing right now, he should, he should command the salary of the highest-paid receiver in the NFL. If we're going based on this season alone, the way he's playing the game. He has brought a whole new life to that Vikings offense. Granted, Kevin O'Connell coming in there and changing the, the mentality from defense to offense, that certainly helps. But to see the way that he's playing the game and putting the Vikings, granted, a 10-3 and three record got him on the national landscape, but the way he plays mm -hmm. the game and the plays that he makes, 
that gets people talking around the country. And when you have a player like that, you have got to make him as happy as possible to make him want to stay. And he is a very happy-go-lucky type of kid. Uh, the way he plays the game, the way he approaches the media off of the field, that's the type of guy you want to keep around a franchise for a very long time. But in turn, you might have to make some difficult decisions down the road, a la Dalvin Cook, especially if he's not running the ball for 100-plus yards, maybe not every game, but at least getting those chunk yards and not fumbling the ball and turning it over, um, especially with a new coaching staff. You might have to prove yourself and – they might have some difficult decisions to make in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be difficult. I know everybody was talking about it on the fan line. Everybody's saying, you know, what's the purpose of Dalvin Cook if you're not going to run him? Or get him involved in the passing game. Yeah, no, and I, that's the thing. I said that. I said either 22 carries or last night on the Vikings fan line. I said, it's got to be Dalvin McCaffrey going forward. You've got to put him out there. You've got to <laughs> use him like Christian McCaffrey. You, Dalvin Absolutely. McCaffrey the rest of the way. You've got to throw it to him out the backfield, swing passes. The Vikings got burned by the Lions. Jared Goff had no problem dumping it over a DN's head to a running back in the mm -hmm. flat. Uh, the Vikings just did not do that. Uh, but we are going to jump into the Daily Three. Before we do that, remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast and find our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel. And we have a word from our sponsors. Thanks, Ron. Uh, make sure to check out Lockdown Sports today. After you get done with the Ron Johnson show, uh, to uh, go behind the scenes with local experts, beyond the scoreboard, and uh, get the best insights that only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. We got to talk about this, gentlemen. The Detroit Lions could be the seventh seed. It is possible. The Vikings could be the two seed. That could mean a Vikings-Lions playoff matchup at U.S. Bank Stadium. So if that happens, Hobie and Ron, which fan base would feel more confident? Let's start with Hobie. Uh, I will say the way the the Vikings, from, from my vantage point, have played all season long, they have played in some very tight games. A play here or there could have changed the entire dynamic of their season right now. And now the way things are starting to fall for the Lions, they're getting healthy right now. The defense, as I said earlier, is bending, not breaking with giving up big points. I think the Lions fan base would be be pretty confident going into this because with Lions, oh, with Vikings fans, you know how we can go. One loss, then you start thinking, oh, wait, is the next one coming? Is the next one coming? And I think with Lions fans right now, the more they win, or the win's still coming, or the win's still coming, uh, the the final four four ish games of the season will uh, will be a very fantastic story. I can tell you that. Uh, so where do I go with this? I'm going to say this is tough. All right, right now, emotional Monday overreaction. I'm going to mm -hmm. say the Lions fan base would have more confidence because the Vikings defense. But this is the thing about the playoffs. It's going to be hosted by the Vikings, hopefully. Like, I mean, I'm guessing if it's 2-7, the Vikings don't find a way to drop down and have to play somebody else and the 49ers get up there. But, because then they'd have to go play the 49ers in the Bay Area, and we know how that happened last time. Uh, but when you look at this Lions-Vikings game in U.S. Bank Stadium, when they get to get home, it's different. You get healthy guys back. You, Christian Darisol is probably back from concussion. Caleb Evans probably back from concussion. Um, 
Cam Dantzler's probably working himself back from injury because that was his first game back after his injury and, and being on IR. So he had to work back into a football shape and football mindset is a lot different than rehabbing with the strength and condition guy. So Chris, so he would have worked back. I'd say in U.S. Bank Stadium, I would say the Vikings fans uh, would be semi-confident, but it would also depend on what happened against the Bears and the Packers in these last two games. If they won those games convincingly, then I think the Vikings fans are fine. If the Packers, Jordan Love almost beat the Vikings, or the Bears and whoever's playing quarterback almost beat the Vikings, I think Vikings fans might be a little bit nervous about that. And if Ed Donatel is still calling plays and nothing's changed and they've given up, you know, 400 yards again and again and again, I'm going to question it. I'd, I'd have to lean towards the Lions fans probably having a little bit more confidence because they just know the Vikings history is cursed and this could be another cursed moment. So right now, overreaction Monday, I'd have to say Lions fans would probably be a little bit more confident and they probably would want to play of all the teams in the playoffs. They probably say, yeah, give us the Vikings. We'll take the Vikings. But would they be favored in the game? That's the key. That's, <laughs> that's all that matters. As long they as the Vikings would. are favored. Vegas would do it. The Vegas, Vegas would. No, I think Vegas would I don't favor know. the Lions. The Lions played tied at U.S. Bank Stadium until everything was on the party. They got the win in Odds are the Lions would be going in with all the momentum. Because if they make the playoffs, it means they kept winning. It means they're like 9-8. and eight. Yeah. They've won 7 of 9 games, 8 of 10, something like that. All right, so... The Vikings want to be the two seed, but to be the two, they're going to have to fend off Brock Purdy and the upstart 49ers. He wiped the floor with Tom Brady and the Bucks yesterday. It was impressive. Do you think, Ron and Hobie, we'll start with Ron this time, do you think Brock Purdy has it in him to lead the 49ers over the Vikings? Yeah, I think he does. I mean, there's a thing about the quarterback situation in, with the 49ers. I think whoever played quarterback this year was going to do well because of the way the offense is called. When you look at the way Shanahan calls plays, when you look at them getting Christian McCaffrey, the rich got richer. Like Christian McCaffrey was the piece because he had Debo Samuel, and Debo Samuel has gotten hurt. So we'll see what that injury, if it was really bad and he's out for the year, or if it's one of those really bad high ankle sprains and he's going to have to like sit out for four weeks or five weeks and then get ready for the playoffs uh, and put him in a boot until then. So we'll see because it looked bad. Um, but, but Christian McCaffrey was what they wanted. Like they needed another piece. Uh, you get Frankenstein's creator, another piece to make this offense just go. And it, I mean, we, the Vikings saw it firsthand. It went. And then all of a sudden you had Debo Samuels now what he's doing. And then you added Christian McCaffrey and it was ridiculous. But again, like I said, Debo's out. But with the 49ers and Brock Purdy, I say yes. And this is why, because of how the plays are called he treats Sean McVay and and, and and Shanahan have a similar mindset of how they handle their quarterback and they're going to put them in situations to throw screens to throw under routes to throw short stuff like he's not having to make 50 yard throws like uh Pat Mah uh, Patrick Mahomes he's having to just dink and dunk 10 15 yard five yard five yard like that's the offense there it's the it's the true west coast moving offense they got them out of the pocket a lot too so, yeah, I think they can beat the Vikings. I'll, I'll, I'll go to the other side of the ball right now because the way the 49ers defense is playing right now, they are just absolutely incredible. They lead the league in total yeah. yards given up. They lead the league in points per game. And let me run you through some of their numbers lately. Against uh, the Bucks yesterday, they gave up seven points. Against the Dolphins, they gave up 17. They shut out the Saints. They allowed 10 to the Cardinals and only 16 points to the Chargers, 14 to the Rams. They gave up 44 to the Chiefs, but the Chiefs offense was kind of at their peak 
this season right now. But back to Ron's point, the way, the way they built the offense. Shanahan right now is kind of like my dad and Brock Purdy is me at 16 <laughs> years old. Here are the keys to the car. Just don't wreck it. That's kind of how they've been built right now because Brandon Ayuk has played extremely well. We saw it yesterday. He kind of bailed him out on some bad throws uh, in that game that they played against the Bucks yesterday. I think that if Brock Purdy can just maintain and not, not necessarily be a system quarterback or a game manager type quarterback, but just make the plays and get the ball in the right people's hands at the right time of the games, I think that the 49ers can make a push. And let's be real. It's not like they're playing a very tough stretch down the, uh, the, into the season. They have the Seahawks, Correct. the Commanders, the Raiders, and the Cardinals to close out the year. It's not like it's an extremely tough schedule with the way the season has played out thus far. They and will they win would have the tiebreaker as of now, Ron. They do have the tiebreaker. So the Vikings are, are maybe going to have to, to win out to fend them off. That's yep. going to be a tall task. All right, yep, uh, last one. This is a three, and uh, the, the 49ers yeah. need to, you know, they need to keep them down to four losses. But the Vikings have to go 14-3 mm-hmm. and because I don't see the 49ers losing the game. This one is uh, – I want Hobie's take. So – Jared Goff is playing great right now. That looked like 2018 Rams Jared Goff yesterday. So, Hobie, is he earning himself the Lions' long-term quarterback job? Is he more than just a bridge quarterback now? We'll let Hobie start on this one. And, and Sam, that story has really kind of gone all over the place all season long because at the beginning of the season, I think a lot of people thought that he was going to be the answer long-term for this team just because of the way he ended the season last year. But then you start out the year and you play the way he played. He had some back-breaking turnovers in that game. He threw a pick six where that defined the outcome of the game 100% earlier in the year. Uh, On third down, he was inconsistent a lot of times this season. But we saw it yesterday. Whenever he is not pressured and he has the time to make the plays, he will make the throws and get them into the right people's hands. And also we're getting to see him play with a fully healthy complement on offense. DeAndre Swift is back. DJ Chark, he's healthy right now. And then Jamison Williams is playing too. And then his go-to guy, Amon Ross St. Brown, who is just really continuing his very, very upward trajectory in the NFL after his great rookie season. And also, I think midway through the season, people were thinking, well, if if the Lions do have a higher draft pick, which quarterback would you want? C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, some of the other guys that were thrown out there, the Kentucky quarterback. And I think a lot of people, as the college season progressed, they saw some of those top-tier quarterbacks maybe take a step back while the Lions continue to pick up the pace, especially on offense. So right now, I think you have to ask yourself the question, is drafting a rookie quarterback next year the right answer? Will we be in a better spot three years or four years from now with that guy who's just coming in with a loaded roster on offense? Or should we continue this relationship-building process with Jared Goff and who they have on the roster right now? At this point in time, I would say that Jared Goff is truly earning himself a long-term future here in Detroit just because we're getting to see him at his full potential with the right people around him in place and also his offensive line keeping him clean. Yeah, the offensive line is keeping him clean. The running backs are good. The receivers are getting better, and they're good. Amara St. Brown, I think Jamison Williams is going to be a star in this league once he gets healthy and, and understands the, what's, going to, what's, what's his office supposed to look like. Uh, reminds me of a guy – 
that can, you know, just run and and I'm and more like Stefan Diggs early on. I don't know what he's going to be, you know, when, once you see him running routes, but, you know, has the Jerry Judy type body uh, with with just like I mean, Alabama receivers have been ridiculous the last couple of years as far mm-hmm. as him just putting out guy after guy after guy. Uh, so he has that take the top off mentality. I'd say this for the Lions. Don't do what you've done in the past. Don't overthink this. Jared Goff is the guy. He is the guy, and he's at a point in his career where he's not going to ask you for $400 million. Like, Jared Goff is the guy. Use the fact that you have some draft picks coming from the Vikings. You're going to have some draft picks coming from the draft when you made trades, and you will be able to continue to build. You will continue to build. They will get a lot of picks because of Matthew Stafford sucking it for the Rams this year. They have a lot of first round <laughs> picks coming. There's a lot coming. of room against the Rams over here, man. It's a lot of <laughs> first round picks, high picks sometimes. <laughs> yeah, high picks, high picks for the Lions because of the Rams. And so, don't overthink it. You don't need to go get a quarterback. Go get you an offensive lineman where you feel like you need one. Go get you another maybe receiver, but then get you a DB. Get a safety. Get the top safety in the draft. Go get the top safety. Like get a line, another linebacker to go with with, with, with that group. Like get a D tackle that's gonna be like in Dominican Sue. Like look at mm-hmm. what the Eagles did with their guys. Like I'd say don't don't overthink it, Lions. Jared Goff's your guy. And speaking, and I know we're running out of time, but speaking of rookie quarterbacks, it could always get a lot worse. I think we're seeing that yep. from the 2020 draft class of quarterbacks to the 2021 draft of quarterbacks in a very small sample size. Because to me, the 2020 quarterback class is always going to be the one to compare it to when you got Joe Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts. All four of those guys right now are playing extremely good football. When you look at the 2021 class, that is not at all the case. And I think that it's even going to take a step down whenever we move into next season, potentially. Yeah, well, I want to thank Hobie RT for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. Always great to catch up with Hobie. We're going to have to get Hobie back later because the Lions might be in the playoffs. And, of course, we're going to talk Especially a little Especially if it's two later. versus seven. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, basketball season two, though, because you got the Detroit Pistons. Uh, and, you know, they got Jaden Ivey now. They got Kay Cunningham. So we're going to have to – Talk a little basketball as well, even though they're in the they're in the East and the Timberwolves in the West. It's always good to talk about around the league. So we'll definitely have to get Hobie. Hobie, I'm glad to get you on. It looks like you're doing great things. Miss you. You know, it's not the same without you, man. So, you know, but but definitely, uh, definitely enjoyed it. But our fans, also remember, if you want endless Vikings talk, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube, where you can find all of our videos, all of our shows, instant podcasts after every game, and the Vikings press conference delivering all the biggest news. Like our videos, leave your comments in the section below, and let us know what do you think. Can the Lions make the playoffs? What do you think? And if the Vikings play the Lions in the playoffs, who's the favorite? Who are you taking? Let us know what you think, and have a great day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.